0: What are we doing here? We doing a, you know what? Two days left. This, is it? Tomorrow is the final day.
1: Yeah, it's the last day for the promotion where you can, your pick, right? Any guide and uh, any MAPS t-shirt included with any bundle.
0: It's the any, any, any uh, (laughs) promo, I guess. Most most popular right now is the the Sexy Athlete. That's the one a lot of people are getting. That's the most popular. Sexy Mm. Athlete and then the Fasting Guide has been the most. Are those the ones that everybody's getting? Yep. Sexy Mm, sexy Athlete
1: combines what maps aesthetic and maps... uh, Mobility. Performance. (laughs) Maps performance.
0: You don't even know your programs? Yeah, what's going on here? Mixes
1: Mixes them together, melds them together so you can become a sexy athlete. Look, you can find all these programs at mindpumpmedia.com. Again, enroll in any bundle. Maps bundle. Any maps bundle and get a free guide of your choice and any t-shirt of your choice. After you enroll, make sure you email admin at mindpumpmedia.com. Let them know your shirt size, your address, and which guide you want, and you'll get them for free. And you wanted me to do that?
2: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind pump, mind pump, with your hosts Sal De Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews.
0: What did the app guy tell us for our first time that we met with him? At the open loop? Oh idea? yeah, he's just like, the- oh dude, FOMO. And yeah, we're like, yeah. excuse me, <laughs>
1: yeah. what was? What hey, is you want to explain yourself? <laughs> <laughs> what was it?
3: He's like, everybody's got FOMO. And I'm like, excuse me, what's FOMO? Uh, fear of missing out.
0: Uh, uh, and so, know. how did
1: how did you guys how were, would you do that? With we were
0: your- talking about uh, the importance of an open loop. Yeah so like when you're creating like when we were first were starting the app right we uh we were going in the direction of like like an educational tool and i don't know how how long was it justin before we realized or before it was when we met met those guys right yeah i, I mean, want s- to
3: yeah we met the two guys uh from local and willow Glen, and then we met another guy up in san francisco but
0: um yeah it was when it when when was the aha moment for us about like oh we have to change this to more like a game than we. because of the psychology of it and how people use it because yeah but was it who was it that we met with you because we we were on i think it was i think it was sean was it i think it was we were on a path to to build the tool and then one i don't remember if it was the engineer or software guy or who it was that we uh that we met but they're like dude you know that like Eighty percent of like all like successful apps are games. Yeah, right? games. Like eighty percent, The top right. selling apps yeah. of all time. And are tools games. are like hardly any tool. It's very very yeah. rare that like a tool that you find as an they app. Call it like a utility app. How
1: basically. long did you guys work on your um, your app together?
0: Dude,
3: probably like two years,
0: a year I mean, and a half at least. Yeah, yeah. two if, you, if not if you more. Count, I mean, we, we you guys never invest
1: a lot into it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll make oh, it back someday. Oh, oh yeah, let me tell you, we'll yeah. finish. There's enough invested in it that I won't just leave we're, we're that project. I yeah, <laughs> wouldn't just leave it. that there. People will know. Yeah. It's, well, I
1: mean, those things happen too. You also yeah. got to you got to be okay with that if you, you had, just had to, to shelf it for a while. Well, which remember is fine. when
0: we we were still even working towards it when we all first got together? It was just that at at that point, Mind Pump had taken off and was so much was growing at such a faster rate that it yeah. was obvious where our time quick. where our time and money should be invested. So, you know, when we were when we were doing that, that ad, the app was just costing money, just yeah. costing money. Then there was no it was just bleeding. Well, there add, it was no business yet. It was just something we were building. What,
1: you know? what, what would you guys consider, uh, kind of on that topic? Your, we'll, we'll we'll say learning experiences in business. Like, because people will say failures or whatever, but they're all mm, learning experiences. Yeah. What were some of your, or what would you consider one of your biggest learning experiences was?
0: Well, has well, been well a what's
1: important, you know, and like how much. Well, I don't know. Like for me,
3: it's more like I, I shoot from the hip just like we all do. And I haven't got an idea I believe in so much. I'm going to go for it. Mm. You know, I so I wouldn't take away from that, but at the same time, like, like I should have further educated myself quite a bit more before, um, actually like completely pulling the trigger. Mm. So that, my, that would be like a takeaway for me. For you know, sure. y-
1: years ago I trained a, a gentleman who was a very successful entrepreneur, And I asked him, what was his key, uh, you know, how did he succeed? Like, tell me the key of how, you you know, what you you did that made you so successful. And he said, he literally said to me, I asked him the wrong, he's like, you're asking me the wrong question.
0: That's not going to help you. I'm like, what?
1: He says, Sal, I want you to ask me how many times I failed.
0: Oh, I was just going to go there. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it was like, boom, like blew me away. Like, oh shit. So I asked him, I said, well, how many times have you failed? By the way, this was a guy at the time, I was talking to him, was like, Multi-multi-multi-millionaire, like big time, right? Mm-hmm. Baller. Self-made, completely self-made, grew, grew up poor. And he said, Sally goes, I've filed for bankruptcy three times. And he oh, told me specifically shit. what happened each time. Each of those times, he lost more money. The, the, every time, every, the, the, the first time, he lost the X amount of dollars. The second time, he lost more money because he had more to lose. hmm and I'm thinking, fuck, most people after the first time, they made their money back and started doing count. okay. Yeah. They're like, I'm not going to no, take yeah, the big risks. I remember when I lost everything. But he lost it all again, made even more, lost it all again, and then ended up where he was at that point. And I remember thinking like, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what this game. There's is all Definitely about. something there. Yeah, that's what this you, game is you all. Gotta, about.
0: You got to shoot, man. Well, I've you're I've given make shit if you don't shoot. I've given the analogy of it being like, a, and obviously, if you don't play cards, this doesn't make sense to you. But it's it's so much like is it like go, go fish? No, it's like oh, it's <laughs> it's like playing poker. It's like playing Texas Hold'em, and uh, I feel like you're never going to get at the table where you're going to make millions of dollars. Until you've gone through the process of risking everything you have and losing all of it, and then winning that all back again. So each time I've, like each business that I've built, each time it's been a, a greater risk and it's been a greater reward. Mm-hmm. And the and each one of those failures to me are, are have are were so important of the whole whole journey. Like each business that I've ever done, there's been something. There's always something about it that, and I don't like. To, I don't think any of them are a failure to be honest with you. All even the even yeah, the app—that's kind
3: of my pr- problem. I don't—I don't really address it like that.
0: Yeah, I well, I look at—I look at it as it was all part of the process, mm-hmm. and just even like talking about the app, like there's no way I would invest that much money and literally just let it. It's just not my personality to completely let it die. It's just that other things take a priority, and that's now that's happened many times, and that's a a constant lesson I think is sometimes like when you're when you're especially as an entrepreneur when you're building something sometimes it takes a different direction and i think the best those that are best at it uh learn to to maneuver with it and yeah. to go ahead and let that go that direction like well I'm,
3: along those lines um they're talking about like if you're an entrepreneur and you have a startup the only startups that make it are the ones that have that mentality where whatever idea they have and they've been working on they're completely willing to change 180, you know, direction as far as what they were doing. You and, have to. And their team, If but if they have a team that can do that, you yeah. know, like it, it requires everybody to to be able to think more long-term and not, you know, be bullheaded and stuck on an idea if it doesn't make sense. No, oh.
1: usually, usually you'll meet someone and they'll be successful or whatever and, and and they'll be like, oh, I just came up with this idea and then it took off and then people think, oh man, you know, so lucky, like they just hit on a grid, but they don't see all the years of other shit that mm-hmm. they did that led them to that point, all the yep. decisions they made, all the failures or whatever you want to call them that they made up until they got to that particular Dude,
3: I'm point. I'm on my fourth invention idea right now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the process. So.
0: Well, I think, and, and going back Is to this m- the, the vibrator dumbbell. Yeah. Going, going back to my, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 <laughs> my but I don't know how I shift back to poker in analogy after curl. Strengthen, strengthen your vulva. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> going back to the poker analogy, I think you have to. South I think Cincinnati. you have to lose. Uh, lose enough, and enough is is all relative to to where you are, you where you are in your financial journey. Because losing a hundred bucks when you only have a hundred five bucks is a big deal. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. to each their own. in this yeah, we got to
1: be careful. We got to have a little. We got to do a little disclaimer because I want some some you know some dudes like Sal lost all my money. It was the Sal method. Sal, I was listening yeah. <laughs> to, to Adam on mind pumping. I just took my fucking house. I took all the money out and I said, "Fuck yeah. it, I'm putting it into my new invention," which were you know, uh, you know calf-raised shoes, and then <laughs> and then I fucking realized that they already invented those and lost all my money. Well, thanks, thanks mind pump. I'm thanks. definitely my not, wife left me. I don't have my kids. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I don't think I think I'm more of a visionary than I am more inventive, and I think that's Ju- Justin's more inventive. I think so. This is also why I thought we always played off. on Yeah, I'm, it was a good I'm, match. I'm more of a I'm more visionary, and I think a learning lesson like you talk about the the app and stuff is. You know, and I feel like it was one of those ones that I know better because it, it's I've approached other businesses with the same mentality, which is, you know, especially when you're trying to sell something, something that's tangible, right? Like when you're selling health and fitness, this is a totally different business. When you're selling something that's actually tangible, like an app, something that somebody can look at, touch, feel uh, – I care more about gathering the people first before the actual thing is that I want them to I want to sell to them mm-hmm. because you may be the, you may be the most popular guy ever and what you still only have within your reach a few hundred people maybe 1000 if you're big time popular um you know that's not enough people and and people think like oh because you have 10 20 30 1000 people following you on Instagram like oh you must have a good business off that like no it doesn't translate like that so I think gathering uh, an audience of people um, is and that are willing to listen to you, that would even consider buying something from you, is the most important piece. First, you can always create and invent something that you know fits with your vision or whatever it is you're trying to do. So, I think so many people get so caught up in that that they they lose sight of like, hey, this is great. I could have the coolest app in the world, which I feel like we are on pace of doing. But then. If uh, you know my family or friends are the only ones that do it, like it's v- the vi- things going viral are very very rare. I feel mm-hmm. like as much as we hear about them happening all the time, it's it's not. Dude, as, can I just say, or something? it's just
1: funded? Can I just say something that's incredibly frustrating but true? I mean, and here's the thing about life that I've learned many times is that uh, just because something's stupid or irritating or frustrating to me doesn't mean it's not true. Mm-hmm. So I have to come to the realization sometimes that that's just the way it is. And here's the truth. And I hate to say it, but you could literally sell a piece of shit in a box with really good fucking marketing and really good reach. And I hate to say that because it sucks, but the evidence is all around you. Look at all the products and crap around you that are garbage, that sell millions of copies. The number one selling piece of fitness equipment of all time, of all time, is a Thighmaster. (laughs) The Master, which is a waste, a complete waste of money and garbage, but it had great marketing. It had Suzanne Summers and they sold millions and millions and millions of them. So I think a lot of times people invent shit or come up with ideas and they have no idea how to get it out there. And Mm. it's just, you know how many great ideas are probably just sitting there? No,
3: I know that's that. I think about that constantly. And you know, it's just like if there's – there's just so many dumb products that don't need to exist that exist because, like, people just buy it up, you know, because it's just – they marketed, marketed it well. They marketed it and they put it in front of their face, you know, and it, it's funny too. Like, I was thinking about along lo- terms of, like, if you have this, like, grandiose vision for something that you know is, like, awesome and you really want people to, you know, like, buy into to your idea of it and all this stuff, like – this is like why George Lucas was involved with American Graffiti first. You know, he had to, to prove himself and, and, and that he can create a good film and, and God, get a traction. Big, and have all this stuff. I, I have total man crush on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> like, nobody, nobody was buying into his concept. No other uh, uh, studio was giving him any money. Like he just was like, "Fuck you guys!" You know, I'm making this movie, and, and he made it, and it was the most epic thing
1: ever. Didn't he make something else, another movie that was real?
3: yeah then there was that other movie um god i forget what it's called <laughs> right now too yeah but that one was weird thx i think or, I or something like that yeah mm. so, I don't know. I somebody know I correct me but you know i know somebody knows but yeah that was
1: who did star wars that was
3: interesting are you serious what yeah. are you talking about <laughs> who
1: did star wars
0: shut up i'm serious that's what he's talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, but you didn't say Star Wars. Anyway, continue.
0: Yes, he did. did oh, you he did? St- <laughs> you, you, you didn't say Star Wars? Yeah, I did, didn't I? Oh, maybe you didn't. Maybe you're just oh, referencing Star it and you're teasing him because he didn't S- say it. Yeah. You're oh, an asshole. Okay. Bro, that like that, I think that went right over his head for yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: It, it went way Wee- over my head. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> you ever have a, was joke? That a joke? You ever have something backfire that hard? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, I was like, uh, what did you just say? Uh, I have no idea. Of course Justin's talking about referencing freaking Star Dude, Wars. Everybody quiet. I feel like people expect it.
1: Oh my god! Shut the fuck up!
2: being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout
0: for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quaff. The eagle has landed.
1: Quee quaff.
2: Arf. First question is
0: from Happy Healthy Free. What are your biggest insecurities? Oh, my God. we might need This might be, have to be the whole episode. Sal's got so many.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I get insecure sometimes, my big dick. Ooh. No, you know, whoa. <laughs> whoa, dude!
3: Hey, that was a big dick reference. Man. I don't know. I only i am I allowed to do I heard that. that in a while? <laughs> yeah. I had
1: to say it before Adam.
0: A, you yeah, know yeah, when yeah. you say it, it sounds so bad, it dude. sounds, yeah, it like, sounds like, creepy me. Yeah, like, cringe, like, I was like, me, that oh, was my forced. God, you know, he just yeah. said that on the radio. A forced big look. dick
1: <laughs> reference. Uh, no, uh, this is actually a great question. Uh, I've had several throughout my life that I can identify now that I've kind of, that I've moved through. My first biggest insecurity was definitely that I was not uh that was skinny, that I wasn't athletic or whatever I I, needed, I wanted to build muscle I needed to get bigger, and that one stuck with me for a long time. I didn't really remedy that one for up until relatively recently. I was an adult by the time I really faced that one head on and started changing my behavior because I started to identify that I had the uh, the other insecurity that I had later on was uh, you know when I had my wellness studio. I would train people uh, who were high-level executives and people who worked in medicine. My, my my facility was next to a hospital, so I had lots of surgeons and doctors, and we'd have these great conversations, and inevitably, um, they would end up asking me where I went to school. And I was insecure about the fact that I had no formal education. Uh, I had not gone to college.
0: Now, you say that mm-hmm. um, because I share this one. Do you also feel like this is also what drove you to be uh what you are today too right like do you do you do you believe that's a, a big part of what pushed you mm. to learn more and to grow more independently
1: you know no it actually that didn't necessarily seem for me i'm just curious cuz yeah, we,
0: we share this insecurity and I, and i'm i know i'm very well aware of it i'm also connected to yeah, also know what it's connected yeah, to yeah so no, i for me
1: it didn't motivate me and t- really um to do anything because I wasn't insecure about it until I became an adult and was working with these people. Mm. And they would ask me all the time, you know, I'd show them something, you know, I'd I'd be training a surgeon and, you know, they would tell me their knee hurts and they can't do particular exercises. And they tell me what's wrong with with their knee. And then I would identify the recruitment patterns and change the recruitment patterns, identify the imbalance and fix that. And then they'd be like, wow, where'd you learn that? Where'd you go to school? And then I'd say, well, I, you know, I didn't, I don't have formal education. And for a period of time there, I kind of felt insecure about it, but then I realized it was actually a strength because then I could tell them that I learned it on my own. And when I told them that, then they were all like, "Wow, you you actually went out and learned that all on your own." And I'd say, "Well, yeah." So, but that was an insecurity for a second there, where mm. I would say that, and then I'd feel kind of oh, like, you know, I don't have formal education. But but then I turned it, I, I kind of reversed it, and it became uh, something I became very proud of. Not the fact that I didn't go to school, but I, I became proud of the fact that I learned what I know because of my own self-motivation, my own self-exploration and finding resources and, and learning from them. Same thing with my insecurity about my body. I turned that into a strength. I talk about it on the show all the time. It helps me connect with people, uh, with a lot of my clients. Um, most of my clients that I would train didn't have insecurity with not having enough muscle. It was usually people who had an insecurity with just you know being overweight or whatever, but I was able to connect with them through that. And so I turned that Um, into a strength as well. Now, my insecurity that I'm identifying something that I need to work on is uh, on my uh, on how I am as a father. That's a big one. And mainly because uh, more recently, I've gone through a divorce. And that weighs very heavily on a parent. Um, And just speaking for myself very heavily on me, because you don't want to ever do anything that's going to harm your kid or you know, you don't want to give them a bad childhood or you don't want to...
0: What made you connect that recently? Because you, this is something that I feel like you've just kind of recently gone through in the last year or so, or it's more... It was planned. a divorce. Yeah, what, what was it when... What set it off and you realize, like, well, this, when is, I, this is an insecurity When the mine,
1: divorce I first happened, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll get a little personal. I hope you guys don't mind, but, um, you know, I, you know I, I'm not alone in this. I've talked to a couple people. It's really helpful talking to other people who've gone through this, by the way. But I kind of uh, checked out like, I checked out and, and uh, escaped for a second. Like, I couldn't really go to family functions. I didn't want to be around too many other people. For the first month, I was just checked out. And even if I was around my kids, I Which was Which is normal, right? Out.
0: Because you're, I mean, you're worried about... I mean, you guys were together for over, what, f- 15 years? 15, 15 married, years, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's, that's... You just your family's like your family and everyone's local too, right? So yeah, the likelihood of seeing each I other. I know
1: that logically. I know that logically, but you then then you start to th- then when you get past that point, you're like, "Oh fuck, I was checked out for this long. My kids didn't see much of me." Mm-hmm. And y- holy shit, they must have felt abandoned or whatever. And so you become very like, "Oh shit, what did I do?" Mm-hmm. And then even now, you know, I don't have my kids. I'm not going to have them full-time, right? They have a, a mother that's also very involved in their life. So I'm not with them as much and they and their routine has changed. They have to they had to go because you're not just divorcing. It's not just two people divorcing. It's divorcing a whole family. And so you start to feel guilty and insecure about, you know, what's going to, you know, how are my kids going to deal with this and what are they going to tell their friends and all this other stuff that people go through when they do this. And uh because of the stress involved you know, parenting is stressful. I don't care if you're you're divorced, married, whatever. You know, it does it's always stressful. And you're you're never going to be perfect. There's going to you're going to snap. There's going to be moments when you're going to snap at your kids cuz you're stressed out, and maybe your kids are being shitty that day or whatever, and you snap at them. And that that already makes you feel guilty. Any you know, any parent who's listening can relate to that where after where you snap, you you're like, "Oh, fuck, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that." Well, add to that now the fact that you've just, you know, divorced the, you know, you're, you're getting a divorce with the children's mother and now you're like, oh, fuck, I've here's another layer of something that I've just added them or at least that's what you think. And so um, that's an insecurity now that I'm that I'm starting to that I'm trying to deal with because I know very logically and objectively that, you know, being in an, unha- an unhappy marriage is worse for your child than being in an, a, a happy separation or divorce, uh, especially when both parents are working, you know, well together with the kids. But still in the back of my mind, there's still that insecurity. Am I being a good dad? Am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Did I make the right decision You know, for them? And uh, so that's something I'm currently dealing with. And I know I'll get through it. And I'm just, you know, even talking about it now, it's therapeutic. This will probably help me listening to this episode. Um, but uh, I think, um, you know, addressing your own insecurities is important because... They
0: will drive your behavior so strongly. This I was gonna ask you. Do you find it? Do you find that it's influencing how you act?
1: Are you kidding me? Like I, I spend more money now on my, even though I'm more broke than ever because of this whole situation. I spend more money on them now because you try to compensate. So it's driving me to do shit that I know is not important. Like it's not important that my daughter get a freaking stuffed animal every time I see her, but because of that insecurity. I'm, you know, compensating by doing this kind of stupid, meaningly shit. You know, the stuff that's real important is just spending time with them. Right? I know this.
0: Yeah, but you connect to it. That's what's important.
1: What's important, like I said, like what I'm trying to say is, when you find your, it's important to identify your insecurities because they will drive your behavior so deeply that you don't even realize it. Like you don't even know that half the shit you do mm-hmm. and half the shit you, the way you act with your significant other or with your friends or your family or the way you treat yourself or the way you eat or the way you whatever is driven by these. Insecurities which are rooted in illogical things or things that are not serving you, and so it's important to really identify them. So I just want to make that point. Hmm. I let you guys that's go on. Powerful there.
0: man. I
3: don't no, know if I can
0: <laughs> follow that up. Well, that's pretty dope that you uh, you have the the mental awareness and self awareness to to connect that right now. That's something you're going through. So that's yeah. when it's and to me, I think that's the, the greatest takeaway from you sharing that is that. You know, it, sure, it's really easy to look back. Like I feel like talking about, you know, me being the skinny guy trying to get big and muscular and stuff like that is. An, that's definitely one of mine. But that's an easy one to talk about because it's so fucking long ago, and I feel like I've grown through that. And even when it does surface, I still I'm very aware of it. it does You're going through that right now. That's why I was really interested to hear mm-hmm. the things that you've noticed as far as it in, in uh, affecting your behavior with the, with the kids and stuff like that. So, um, I mean. So many people, I feel like, lack this ability, I, and I think I've said this before on this podcast. If not, um, you know, emotional intelligence and self awareness to me are, uh, I think, I think they trump almost everything, man. Like if you if you have those two things, it automatically drives better character, better work ethic, just a better human. And people that that want to constantly reflect on on themselves and what what role they play in this whole scenario and. A few people do that. It's one of the things I like, I think I absolutely love about you guys and and being in this uh, part of this uh, whole movement and what we're doing. Like, you know, I couldn't ask to be with three better gentlemen that that have this ability. I think this is why why the business works too. And even if there's ever conflict or disagreement, because we all have this ability, you know, none regardless of who's right or who's wrong or who had the better idea for this or who wants to pull in this direction. It's like at the end of the day. We all have this ability to to reflect on on what we own out of it. And, but see, the,
1: even that now, even that here's something I'm learning about that as well. I've always had pride in the fact that I was the kind of person who could, you know, examine myself and look at these types of things and identify an insecurity or an issue and address them and because i found pride in that sometimes, it actually sometimes pre- they sneak by it me, actually prevented me <laughs> of course because now i'm like well i'm will always you know be okay and that in in and of itself prevented prevents you from doing these things so i'm going to tell you something right now the reason why they're insecurities or and they exist is because you're not aware of them. Hmm. And so you think you're aware, but you're not. And in fact, the deeper you go, the more layers you uncover, the more layers you end up finding.
3: Well, it's probably the surface of what is underneath that, even.
1: Dude, it's a difficult process and it's a long fucking process. Yeah. And there's, it's so difficult and so painful, in fact. That your mind has hidden it from you so effectively that you don't even realize it's there. You have no idea. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, look, We'll speak about the fitness ones because m- most of our audience is into exercise. Obviously, we're a fitness podcast. But the fitness insecurities, the, the weight insecurities, that I don't have a muscle insecurities, that I'm too fat all the time insecurities. Mm-hmm. I need to track every little morsel insecurities. They're so insidious, they're so deep inside of you right now that mo- most of you listening right now are thinking, no, I'm absolutely yeah. fine, I don't have those things. But if you really take an honest look, and sometimes it requires you to step outside your body, um, and that means you got to get away for a second, maybe even stop doing everything for a couple weeks just so you can kind of take a look, You'll you'll shock yourself. It's very, very difficult to identify, and when you do, well, it's very painful.
3: I think this is why people think people like Tony Robbins are magicians, because they can, they, all they do is they really just direct you to go deeper, go further. You know, it's, it's not really that insecurity you think, you know, you, it, how's your relationship, you know, with your family, you know, and then targets like who specifically has affected you in a certain way or what, what sort of traumatic experience like happened to you as you, you grew up and it was, you know, impressionable with the, the way that you interacted with people from then on. And, Uh, it's, I mean, you could get pretty deep, you know, with this type of a question of an insecurity, like on a surface level though, you know, there's definitely things that, um, if you can identify them, like that'll kind of lead you down that, you know, that, that, that tunnel that is really an important thing to go through. And like, it's something that will, will provide you an all new look at, you know, who you are and how you know, you can sort of repattern these processes and things. And for me, like I, you know, I I definitely had uh, issues with, you know, my body. I had, I was a very like bony kind of kid and, you know, like I I actually did really want to put muscle on. Like I was like really skinny and my brother's very skinny and that's just kind of our makeup. And so, you know, that was something that kind of ate at me. Uh, But, uh, you know, as far as like, what other things that i i've realized about myself and this is why i haven't really liked to talk very much is because i'm very hypersensitive as to what comes out of my mouth as far as like if it sounds stupid or uh if it's not the right thing to say or if it's going to affect this or that person a certain way or you know like i project like all these things way out ahead of time so it's like you know, this is going to affect this person this way, and I don't want to be, you know, like I, I don't want to be an asshole to this person and say that say it wrong, you know, this way or that. Like I'm way too like calculated with that, and uh, it, it it's 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 been really freeing and liberating for me to just be like, you know, fuck, say what I'm really thinking, you know, like like just express yourself and get better at it. And, and you know, and that's something that I'm still working on. Did but,
1: that come from something when you were a kid? Were you told a lot of times that you know, y- like you said something they're like, "Oh my God, that's stupid, Don't say that or uh, I think it's because
3: I was kind of a jokey class clown that uh, wasn't taken too seriously. And I think a lot of it stems from just like an expectation of me to uh, to to lead into because I was good with my hands and and trade wise, like I was just expected to do manual labor and that, uh, you know, like <clears throat> I try, it, it, it made me overcompensate for that to go to college and to get good grades and uh, to prove myself. Cause when I did let myself slide and and I had moments where I didn't get as good of grades, uh, y- you know, that was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So this is, you know, the, the, this is where you're going to end up, you know, I already had, everybody had already written me off as, as, uh, as such. And like, that was where I was going to end up. And you know, I just des- decided that that's not who I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to learn more about myself, and, and I wanted to t- prove everybody wrong.
1: See, it's interesting because uh, insecurities can definitely motivate and drive someone to achieve, you know, huge things, great things. They can—I mean, I'm not going to lie—they can definitely motivate you to do mm-hmm. very strongly. However, they can cause a lot of anxiety, stress, and pain, and I—I I don't think they're the best way. Uh, to motivate you. And in fact, you know, look, uh, would I be in the fitness industry if I did, didn't have the insecurity with my body when I first started? Maybe know? not. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I, I know I like fitness a lot. It's my favorite, absolute favorite hobby. But my passion, if I'm going to be quite honest, my passion is people. I just really like people a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd end up in fitness, I'd be, end up doing something else that had to, you know, had to do with working with people or helping people.
0: So I would, it's I would, interesting. I would agree with that because mm-hmm. I knew I knew I wanted to do something with people. I like. I actually had at one point I remember how funny is this because of all the counseling and therapy and stuff that I was in. Being a kid, that those that have been listening for a long time know the story that my my father passed when I was seven. He took his life. Then my my mom married into an abusive relationship that I was a part of for thirteen years growing up. So you could say I had my fair share of being in and out of counseling and family therapy. And I actually got to the point where. Uh, I felt like I learned so much as a kid growing through all that. Like I remember like looking at my parents and feeling like, I don't know if they really learned very much, but I definitely, (laughs) I definitely got a lot out of all this. And so I actually liked that. Right. And I liked uh, uh, that whole process and uh, that's what kind of drove me getting into like, you know, psychology. And I was actually interested in possibly being a counselor at one point, like so anyways, uh, but I'm with Sal, like as far as my insecurities are very, very similar. Um, this is, I think why we connect so well, because I think we just see eye to eye. And, uh, even though we're a couple of years apart, we're in similar, we're in similar parts of our journey there. And I feel like, uh, maybe we're one is further along the other ones, uh, not so far along. And so, you know, always sharing and being around him is uh very refreshing for me and a great reminder of what i'm always working on too so uh like you said the 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 being skinny kid and what got me that's what got me into uh fitness that never goes away i mean i definitely uh it's weird isn't it yeah it's Mm -hmm. and i think but i think that's okay i think i think part of that is 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 understanding that is just learning how and you 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 mentioned before is how it can it can dictate your behavior and and that's what's important is uh I, that I don't allow it dictated in a, an unhealthy way. And you're and you and you're right. It can go in the direction of it being unhealthy because, let's say, you know, that drives me to train really, really crazy and hard and, like, become almost obsessed with it. That can be very unhealthy, too, even though it's working out mm-hmm. and training and better your body. But I also think there's it's okay that it, it drives me in that direction. You know what I'm saying? But it also, it's important that I don't allow it to become obsessive, right? I think anything... Uh, overdone can be unhealthy for us, even health and fitness, right? So, you know, I, I, I'm I okay with knowing that it's there. Um, I just, I continually try to work on the reaction and the behavior to it.
1: See, I think, I hope, I think that at some point it will no longer be an issue, but I think, I think, but it, I think, it, I think it gets there when we stop fighting it. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how else to better explain it. I and, think
0: it's. I think I know when the sign is, and we should know. Being in gyms as long as we are, it's. I think it's about fifty three to fifty seven when the guys walk around with no towels and they, they <laughs> brush their <laughs> teeth <laughs> with their dick in your face uh, while you're yeah, in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spread, dude. I'm ash. doing hey, that man. now. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe you're almost Whoa. there. I'm pretty sure that's the. You that's, are not circumcised. You guys want to see it right now? <laughs> that's <laughs> you want to see it right now. That's the true yeah. zero. The true zero fucks journey. Yeah, uh, we are always heading towards, but um, yeah. So I think that's a that was always a big one for me. Probably, um, if I'm being completely honest, the one I, I'm most challenged with and still uh, have to constantly work on is because a long time ago I I decided that I was never going to hold back. Justin says that you know what uh, that's an insecurity of his about talking. Well, you know that's part of mine too is not saying the right thing and, and sounding smart or being smart when I say it. And a long time ago, I decided that I wasn't going to let that hold me back, you know, that I was going to say what was on my mind. And sometimes I'm going to make up a word. Sometimes I'm going to trail off, you know, that's just, that's just, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about people judging me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've decided that a long time ago. Now, the flip to that is this, because I've become this person who has that zero fucks mentality and I'm going to say what's on my mind. And sometimes I'm going to offend people. And sometimes I'm going to sound stupid. I'm not gonna let that. I'm not gonna let that uh, affect me. What people think, but sometimes I can, and sometimes, uh, if for me, my biggest insecurity being somebody who, you know, I stopped. I went two years of junior college, and then I, I continued on with my my fitness and heading up in the 24 hour fitness ranks and doing that, and that uh, that always kind of weighed on me. Like, ah, man, I had all, all of my closest friends all have their masters, somehow PhDs. Like, I have a, a group of very intelligent, driven friends that are always around me. And I'm, I'm the one without the, the formal education. So, uh, of course, when we get into, um, you know, deep conversations, and I always have this, this, like, in the back of my mind telling me, like, you know, I feel in, inferior because I didn't go through this process of learning. Now, knowing that, I also feel like that's part of what drove me and motivated me to uh, learn so much on my own you know because from literally from 23 24s to now like the amount of books and things that i've read and uh, is 10 times more than what i did all my years of schooling so i think that there's a good side of that but then there's still that i i allow it sometimes to dictate my emotions because it's an insecurity that i still am dealing with especially now like i feel like if ever before i feel like i kind of felt like we, i had a hold of it until we started podcasting again And now that we're like out there for everybody and especially since the way we're coming after kind of academia and Mm -hmm. how a lot of things are done, I feel like that's that's added this new pressure to me of worrying about that of yeah. constantly uh, worrying about you know people judging me because I don't have that and so mm-hmm. for sure this has been something that I've had that's resurfaced in the past year and a half two years that I've have to and I, I just try and remind myself to be true to who I am and my character which I, and I and I believe that I've always been that person who is I'm going to say what the fuck I want to say and yeah. I'm not going to let
1: N- N- I know we got to move on to the next question but you know what this reminds me of uh, have you guys gone. You have recently, um, but maybe not with a bunch of people. You ever notice when you go like to a pool or a a pool party or the beach with a bunch of your friends, and they know you're a trainer, they know you're. You ever notice how their insecurities start? And I feel bad for them. Does that
0: happen all the time? Yeah, yeah. I feel very, very bad because I see them. I've been. Sometimes I have to when I come to a house, I'll like literally tell people like. Hey, I don't want to talk about food or nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I have to not, uh, like uh, bring it up and I'll, and I'll go over and grab something bad intentionally like yeah. to get everyone to <laughs> relax. Well, mm. I, I Otherwise know that. I can feel the tension in the room. Who's like, right for Kay? Like, Dude, I'm, I'll go I'm the, watching them do everything they're doing. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. No,
1: I'll be at the, like I'll go to the pool or something with a bunch of friends and you know, none of them are as fanatical as I am about exercise, which is absolutely fine. And I don't judge people at all when we're in the pool, but they feel because I'm a trainer. And it's everybody has to make a comment. Like They'll take their shirt off and be like, oh, man, I haven't worked out in so long. Don't look at me. Or you know, I better not eat that because I'm already kind of – and they'll look at me like, right, Sal? And I'm just like, fuck, I feel right. bad for them. You know what I mean? Well, of
0: course, because – and I know we all know because those that's like clients to us, right? Like I yeah. see all their, like, all their bells going off like, oh, wow, that's a definitely a thing that you're dealing with because I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? You can take your shirt off and have a big-ass belly, go drink a beer, then dive in the pool. I don't give two no, shits. No, I don't care. But the fact that you feel the need to say something tells me right. that – that's something that you're now flip
1: with. that when we're when you're sitting with your PhD friends and you're feeling that way and they're probably thinking the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. You know, so you know that, what I'm saying,
0: well, that was something, I, you know, you talk about we talked about insecurities, but what are some of the things that we've done to overcome them? Well, one of the things that I've had to practice is that is when I get in front of somebody, I have this and I always catch myself when I when I tend to do this, the, the need to tell you how smart I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I like I need like I need to like prove I, it I, throw, I, throw words in there yeah no we yeah. could put us in a room of four or five PhDs and I will start talking I won't be nervous to talk but I also will feel the need to let them know how smart I am which that's such an insecurity it's like I I have that's to that's good like, that you're aware of that yeah 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 no I catch it I, and happens I, and it's something that I I have to and I've gotten better you know I've gotten better at it but I definitely uh, definitely know, know I do it for sure
2: 22 Big Mac Would you recommend MAPS Black or MAPS Green for muscle imbalances? I was a baseball pitcher in college and know for a fact I have overdevelopment, right lat, rear delt, trap forearm, and right calf. I am currently doing MAPS Green after completing red, and I just don't want to make the imbalance worse with the barbell movements in green. Would you recommend dumbbell substitutions, switching to MAPS Black,
0: something else? Love this question. So,
1: so this Love is a this, this is a um, not a super common issue. Now, the com the issue of right and left imbalance is quite common, mm. uh, especially if you've never worked out and you're right-handed. Your right hand is going to do better. Your right side's going to do things better than yeah. Your this left is a side.
0: right-handed pitcher that, we're but talking this is to, a obviously. pitcher,
1: yeah, who's been pitching for a long time. And I've mm-hmm. worked with. I don't know if you guys have worked with. Yeah, I have. Yep. So I've worked with like you know college you know pitchers who who were pitching since they were little kids and it is there it's like
0: there's a lot
3: of time there with that repetitive yes
0: it's like two different bodies the first time I had I had actually had a a semi-pro guy uh, that I took on Um, I'll never forget he was the first one that this was another aha moment we talk about as trainers where I realized at that moment that man Athletes aren't as healthy as everybody thinks. No, yeah, huge imbalances. Yes, yes. That was the big like because up until that point, as a young kid, young trainer coming in, I was just like, you know, I still looked at athletes as like athletes, man. They're superior yeah. to everybody, they're the top of the food chain. Yeah, to- exactly, top of the food chain from health, nutrition, to physique, their physical capabilities. But what I realized, and I realized this when I got a, a, a baseball player, was wow, you know, so many sports are they they have these patterns that you do over and over and over and over. And we know this already as trainers that any repetitive, you know, move pattern like that over and over is going to cause some sort of an imbalance. And the better they were at it, and the longer they had been doing for it, I've started to put together the worse the imbalances mm-hmm. were and issues. And so, you know, this was and this is why too. When I say that, and I always get pushback from people when I talk about how like don't be fooled i know you look at this athlete and you go like oh my god there's so, i want to look like them i'll be like and so a lot of people go and they try and train like them so you know we look at you see um reggie bush's physique on the cover of sports illustrated you know last year or whenever the hell it was and people go like holy shit and then next thing you know he's, he's got tied got a workout program yes he's tied to some workout program and he's selling the shit out. and everyone's like dude i mean i want to look like that dude, i'm doing the reggie bush like yeah crazy squat combo like, no 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 you you won that's probably not what he does and two you don't want to you don't want to train like a football player anyways i mean that's not ideal for you at all so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's why i was so excited for this question because there is a there's a cu- couple things that i would take into consideration i think maps green would be awesome i think what he suggested mm-hmm. is uh right on point with the direction i would start taking him which is unilateral um, training yeah more unilateral training so here is where this is and what would,
1: would you guys say to train uh, according to the weaker side because i've always first yeah always always wait till it catches up yes always
0: always always unilateral always train the weaker side first it's all about form and connecting it's more about that than the weight that you're moving Mm -hmm. and then whatever you know this is and this is a time too where i I would take it all the way to where right before my mechanics start to break down if my mechanics start to break down i stop right there whatever reps that i got to i'm going to mirror that on the other side, even
1: if it is easy on the other side, exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's an important point, and it's yes. going
0: to be, it's going to be. So that's the and that's the part, the challenging part for most people mentally is to be able to discipline to themselves. diminish
3: the one side. Yes, because yeah, it's, I mean, it's a mental thing to do that, but it's it's so much more beneficial to allow for your body to, you know, break through these imbalances that way and 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 train that side of the body that's been so dormant throughout all these processes.
0: This is this is also too um, why I love talking about this question is because this goes back to. This is how our MAPS programs are designed. We built this solid foundation for all of them and everybody, and they have an adaptation focus, and they're phased all out, but yeah. we still, the, we always preach that they're, you know, this is a perfect example of how I would totally modify mm-hmm. a MAPS green for somebody is this athlete, as I'm going through with him, we, we're going to use, still use MAPS green as, as the, the primary program, just anywhere where you have barbell movements, I'm going to replace it with a similar movement just with unilateral. So now I'm going to do a dumbbell work with that. So
1: See, I would take it even a step further is I would do do green, do you know, make sure it's, you'd use dumbbells instead of barbells for most of the movements. Still do your mobility sessions, and I would take it a, ne- a step further and I would add uh, trigger sessions for the Specific and, body parts,
0: yeah, and trigger sessions. You'll you'll find in Maps Anabolic. Well, let's be honest. This is the piece where Maps Yellow is going to connect all these dots. Well, right
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes, it goes a lot further. It goes even a lot further than that. Well, obviously. yeah, but yeah. this
0: is this is another. You know, we, we just recently have had a couple of questions lately, and I'm just like, you know, it's kind of nice too that these are coming out right now because this is yeah. this type of question. I think uh, that's what part of what influenced the direction of Maps Yellow. Yeah. So,
1: which is yeah, which is uh, soon to be released, but. Um, I would incorporate some trigger sessions on the weaker side um, on off days. Mm -hmm. Now, be careful with your intensity because it's a weaker side, because you're using dumbbells, because you're training according to that side. You can overdo it quite easily. Uh, But the trigger sessions, the frequency is going to be very, very important. That frequent muscle stimulation. Mm -hmm. I would do trigger sessions almost, uh, almost every day. One to two a day, maybe three on days that you're not doing much working, working out, but you want to send that, that signal to that side uh, to try to catch up. Uh, the other thing I would, I would tell you is to be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, you, oh, yeah, you've is, got a major imbalance. I know. I've worked yeah, with that's
3: years and years yeah, of movement that's patterned in one direction.
1: It so. might take you, and I'm not, you know, I, you're not going to like to hear this, but it might take you a year. Yeah, it might even take you a little At longer least, a year yeah. before that side, you know, gets to the point where it's not such a glaring. It all depends. Imbalance. It depends on
0: how diligent he is with it. I mean, if you, if you, if you uh, are rigorous with it as far as like staying on it Consistent. Now, yeah, yeah consistency wise especially when we're talking about like the mobility and the trigger stuff cuz that's again yeah this is a totally different
3: mentality again going into this yeah, it's it, not like i'm shooting for prs i'm not no, no. everything up this is like i'm addressing something that uh, needs to be addressed that is going to improve my overall abilities, you know, from here on out.
0: The reason why I say that is it's, you know, it's close to home for me right now because I, in the last probably six to eight months, I've been heavily focused on mobility and, you know, I've started first with my hips and then I've worked to my ankles and shoulders. So I, and each time I kind of focus on, on, on one specific area, not only am I doing my training uh, and I'm addressing it i'm- a tra- I'm addressing it with my mobility sessions, and then I'm frequently throughout the day doing these little tiny drills that just take me a few seconds to do and that those little those are what re- that's the that's the uh that's really where it counts like if you start doing that that frequency I can't stress frequency uh when you're doing corrective stuff enough i mean we t- we preach frequency about building muscle and the and how key it is. well guess what it's even more key when you're talking about repatterning yourself right here, because what's happened is when you've been a pitcher for this long and you're throwing right side, right side, right side, you have made some serious... That's, that's tens of thousands of reps. Yes. So reps, uh, reps the other direction, trying to correct it and fix it. Not intensely. It doesn't have to be. It's just like throwing a ball isn't super... Just tossing a ball isn't super intense for you. The same concept when you're doing these corrective exercises to fix the imbalances, it's repetitions, you know? So just working at it. Multiple times throughout the day, just for a brief little, you know, 60 second to three minute bouts. Like, you'll be surprised on how far well, that will take you.
3: To, to kind of go on to this point as well, like addressing these things mid season and when you're an athlete and you know, you are so dominant uh, with one specific pattern that you're doing over and over and over again, you know, for longevity's sake, too, maybe you are getting stronger in that movement. But for longevity's sake, you know, we are going to need to, you know, I- include that within uh, your, your skills training, your weight room training, all that kind of stuff, you need to make sure that, um you know it, it's not going to diminish completely on that this is side.
1: why it's so important if you have a kid that's in a sport uh, is to pay attention and get them to do exercises that are or movements that are different than their sport because if they do this whatever they're doing for years and years and years uh, they can create some pretty big imbalances and even mm-hmm. even movement, even swimming like swimming oh well you're moving the whole body you can't yeah. you shouldn't be able to create imbalance no you, you swimmers have issues Uh, That's why there's probably
0: probably the least though, right?
1: Uh, Maybe
0: I mean soccer is lots of running. I don't know. I mean, there uh, are and, uh, that I'd be really interested actually because I would if I were to pick a sport if you were to tell me out of well which, you'd have
1: to do a lot of different types of swims that's, the thing. Or, yeah, that's the thing that's the thing because usually people who swim competitively for years they would end up competing in one yeah stroke. you're right yeah if you were just really like a, just
0: a butterfly stroke and yes. you didn't right, do right. freestyle or backstroke yeah they I would,
1: specialize you right away like like when you get good they start to specialize you and all you you compete in your whatever event
0: which that's a good point to, yeah. that, that what you just said right there is technically I think that's something that we right away notice too right if somebody specializes in something or they do something like that more than likely they have some serious imbalances somewhere else i mean that's what that's where i think that's part of like uh the evolution of sports force happened was we started to realize that the, these body types you know and i know we're getting away from somatotypes, but we started to realize that hey this person who who's built like a canoe is going to make a better swimmer and it's it seems kind of obvious but I feel like we really didn't start to put that together until like the last 20 years or so maybe, Mm -hmm. 20, maybe 30 years. Before that, a basketball player, a football player, a wrestler, a swimmer all just kind of looked the same. They all had this kind of wrestler-athletic look to them because they were that mesomorph-type body type that built muscle, burnt body fat, weren't overly big, weren't really, really small, like that perfect size, where now sports has become so specific that imbalances almost play into the role of— It enhances a lot of specific skills. Yeah, right? Stephen
2: NASC, how would you guys train a client getting ready for a 210 mile journey where they will be averaging over 20 miles per day over 10 days? Also, any nutritional advice?
1: Okay, uh, this is a very extreme 210 um, miles. Yeah, 20 miles a day for 10 days. <sighs> So this is a pretty extreme uh, endurance You know who this endeavor.
0: with hearing this right now? Are you familiar with Omar's business? Business. Business. I don't know how I said it like that. Uh, Omar Lima, business. our boy.
1: Yeah, no, what does he do?
0: So this is a shout out to one of our boys. So um, He's
1: one of the better trainers uh, absolutely, I know. One absolutely. One of the better trainers. I would
0: before. say top 10, top five for sure for all of us mm-hmm, as far, especially mm-hmm. in the area. Um omar is i think he's based little shout from i think he's out of mountain view now is that where he's out i believe so yeah so uh uh, i'll find the name so we were yeah we were in yeah give give him a a, a legit shout because if there's somebody who's like this literally this is his specialty so him and i the last time we ran into each other i told you guys when we were in maui and i hadn't seen him in a while really nice time we were both in the airport for like an hour or two hours so i got a chance to really catch up with him and, and i've always really liked omar and functional we, core fitness. There you go. Functional core fitness. Right. Uh, so we got to talking about his business and you know, he, he started way back when, when, uh, I think he's between Sal and I, so mm-hmm. Sal started, he started after I did. Yeah. He started after you, uh, but before me. So he's been in the business for a very long time and, um, I've watched him kind of evolve as a trainer and always liked the the content and the stuff that he was putting out there. And I was like, man, dude, you travel so much. Like, I'm so jealous. I always look at your page and your. I mean, he is gone everywhere, all over the world. He's
1: run with the bulls. He's oh, everything. Yeah. So, do you
0: know what his business model is? So he he. We talk about each one of us having like our specialty type clients, the type of people that we appeal to, right? Each one of us have already talked about this. Well, Omar is into these these clients. He's like, you know, I started to find like a majority of my people that were coming to me were, you know, that between that age. 35 and 60 and they just they wanted to feel in in good enough shape to accomplish something and he said So I started to create this business model when they would come to me Is you know that was part of the deal when they first sit down if they didn't already have a a place or an idea He would help them come up with an idea of uh, uh, to accomplish something like climbing Kilimanjaro or hiking the ruins or going through the safari jungle or like doing like these type of like physical active trips. Oh, that's cool. And so part of like how he justifies all of his traveling is he takes himself through and he trains, he trains himself to get ready for specific trips just like this one that we're getting explained right now that are like long journeys or hikes or whether he has to, he has to accomplish something, whether it be swimming or riding a bike up in mountain doing, I mean, he literally, he's done all kinds of stuff and he's, and these are the clients and this is what they do is he, if they're looking to do something like that, he's like, that's what I want. And he goes, you know, for me, it's just been about going through it. Like, of course we understand the science and like what you're supposed to do, but he goes, you know, I can now tell them like, listen, you know, when you get to this far up the mountain, you're going to feel like this, you know, and it's going to, you're going to want oh, that's it. another level of coaching. Oh, yeah, it's, and so he saw it's taking my coaching for, for the, these specific type of things to a whole another level because I've experienced, you know, having to hold my breath for a long time, mm-hmm. extreme temperatures of cold, extreme temperatures of hot, you know, long journeys, short, you know, hard ones and where I have to swim, run and you know what I'm saying? Like he's done all these things in different environments, and so he's re- literally built his business model around that and so the, all these clients come to him and he, and he gets them ready for these it's really cool. I think
1: that I mean you're you're you hit the nail on the head that's the majority of the people that do these things are people in their mid 30s to 40 something 50 who want to accomplish something. I don't, I don't see too many kids signing up for a 210 mile you know journey over over a period of 10 days, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is like people later on they're like I need to fucking do something to just yeah. feel better. But I'll tell you what when it comes to The training for this, Um, definitely want to train in a way that mimics what you're going to do. So if it involves lots of hiking, hiking should be the core of your training. Now, as a trainer, you should also identify imbalances that are going to happen as a result of all of that hiking. If they don't already have them, let's say they're already you know imbalance-free or whatever, identify imbalances that are going to potentially happen and start now training uh, around those or correcting them now because- Mm -hmm. Whenever you have long, repetitive type motion over, yeah, you start Ex- to
0: example of that would be this if some which is super common. So uh, probably somebody who had a desk job or sat down for a long time, whatever, are going to have some sort of an anterior pelvic tilt. Which think of that person with a slight tilt like that going on two hundred miles straight, their low back is going to be on fire. Yeah, yeah, so you
1: want to correct that, right? Yeah, correct so that with you know strengthening the the core, mm-hmm. independent of the hip flexors. This person, if they're doing lots of walking, I would uh, strengthen their glutes. I would give them good hip mobility to protect their knees. Mm-hmm. I would do uh, ankle strengthening. They're going to be working lots of calves, lots of soleus, lots of ga- lots of uh, gastroc. So I'd strengthen their tibialis. I'd have them do lots of... Exercises strengthen the the shin part of. We just did a great
0: uh, mobility ankle mobility video that I posted on YouTube just recently. For that, you know that's perfect for that.
1: Um, As far as nutritional advice is concerned. There's been a lot of research on uh, these ultra-long-distance type Ketogenic. events. Yeah, and, they're, and these athletes are coming back and, and saying that they've gotten their best results by getting their bodies
0: fat adapted. So let me stop you right there because I know that I read this originally, and that's not all the question, and what you just said is important because I think in there it says that... He during this two hundred ten mile journey, he doesn't have a lot of options for food. So, so that would be a bit. Yeah, the direction you're going, I think, is a, is great advice. Even more so because he did put that in there. Yeah,
1: because if you're right. fat adapted, here's something you, Here's something you want to consider. Even if you're lean, you know, you take a lean athlete, their body will store maybe I don't know six thousand, seven thousand calories worth of glycogen max. Your body has a pretty limited uh, ability to store glycogen. But when it comes to energy from fat, even a lean athlete will have something like twenty-five to 30,000 calories of stored fat. So when you run out of glycogen, your body will tap into that and you want your body to be able to switch back and forth uh, easily. very easily.
0: And that's that's the part right there that's important is
1: Yeah, cuz you don't want to crash. You don't want to get to the point where you run out of glycogen, now it, your body has to go through this nasty transfer this process and now yeah, you, yeah. you crash. You the whole like, process
0: of becoming fat adaptive. And you know, good uh, episode to reference this is going back to where we just had um hundred mile. Zach Bitter. Um, Zach Bitter. Zach
1: Bitter. Yeah. That was a great interview. He talked about yeah. that. Yeah. He's, he's a perfect, perfect example. A perfect of example.
0: of, And he still utilizes carbs on a race. Yeah. Because so what but, happens
1: is he goes uh, low carbohydrate, high fat, um, is in ketosis a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the times during his training. So his body gets really, his body has gotten really efficient, efficient. excuse me, uh, to switch to body fat or to fat for fuel. Then uh, because now he's so much more sensitive to carbohydrates. When he does his long, long, long races, he does refuel with carbohydrates because it's such a quick source of energy. That's the benefit of carbohydrates is you eat them, and boom, it gets turned into energy much faster than fats. But he does it with far less carbohydrates than he used to because his body utilizes them such, so much more efficiently. So, um, And by the way, uh, when you're training for something like this, you don't want to try this right before your race. No. Uh that's a bad I've seen people make that mistake where they're yeah. like, "Oh, I got a race next weekend. I'm going to try this new thing that's supposed to give me much more energy" and then they end up with diarrhea or something stupid like that and uh, you know, not a good idea. So this is something way before the race
0: that you should
3: acclimate, acclimated shit. I can't even say that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. What you said. I want to go back and uh, <laughs> acclimated, reiterate some things as far as the training leading up to that. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> this is good questions coming from a personal trainer who has a client who they're trying to train for this. And I, and I know we just, Sal kind of brushed over the, the, what we would do as far as imbalances. And then, you know, of course, if they're going to be hiking, they need to be practicing hiking, hiking. Right. So mm-hmm. that is, true some things like within the hour that they're with with me like my sessions would kind of look like you know i'm still going to train them and, and strengthen all, like i normally would like through a maps program i still would take them through something very similar like a maps red but then they would have or maps green actually probably more so with someone like this because you know they're going to be doing things in multi-planar movements hiking up a heel i'm assuming they're going to be doing going left going right they're not going to be in the sagittal plane always so you know maybe they're going through maps green but then all of our, like within our, where we would normally do like rest periods and we stress rest periods. I might have this person doing farmer walks and reinforcing like really good posture. Like, so we've addressed all the imbalances like Sal was talking about. So we're working on that pelvic tilt or whatever. So they're working on holding themselves up in a neutral alignment. And then I'm taking them and I'm doing like farmer walks with light weights between the sets just to reinforce that. I'm not trying to fatigue them, not trying to kill them. I'm just, Enough weight to where they're having to pull back, retract, and depress the shoulders, and really teaching them to, to focus on how they're walking and making them do little walks in between us doing our other exercises and movements to help build strength. So, there, there's how I might modify yeah. one of our programs to uh, what this specific goal is. I'll right tell you now.
1: what's real important. What's real important with long duration uh, type competitions like this or, or events. Is strengthening good posture?
0: Yeah, very important because that's why I say just reinforcing that. Yeah, walking with st- good posture, yeah,
1: you start to you start to fatigue, and your posture starts to break down. That's it, man. Yeah. Everything starts to break down at that yeah. point. Everything now starts
0: compensating. Are- yeah, it's, oh, just and, well, and it, bad weight and half. Think of it like this: like take yourself, you know, standing upright, holding like a twenty-five or a forty-five pound plate, and then slightly bend over like a waiter's bow, like you're just trying to bow. And do that like about at the halfway point, 45 degrees, and see how long you can handle that holding that. Well, when we're just slightly off our, our postures, all like that, we're carrying all the rest of our weight, which is typically 45 pounds or more on our upper body that we're holding. And, you're, and it's just putting that stress. And you just don't feel it because it's not quite as, as stressful an angle. The stressful angle I use, I use that as an analogy to show people. It's like,
1: But even a slight angle… You know, changes things oh, enough yeah. to oh. where if you do, you know, twenty miles a day for ten days. Let me tell you something: by day oh. five, <laughs> you're not moving very well. And that's how right, I, I know. It really feels like it's.
0: That's why I use you. that analogy that their their low back will be on fire. You know, you just know that low you back, just, hip know, flexors. Yeah, back. you just know they're going to be driving them crazy, and it's just because they're they're not moving properly. So I can't stress that enough: is addressing that. And then just re- reinforcing, like, the good posture and when they're walking. And don't just do farmer walks to do farmer walks because you're trying to fatigue them or build their stamina. You know, you're really trying to reinforce good posture because you know this person's going to be hiking for 200 miles straight. And you want to make sure their heel striking, walking correctly the entire time. Mm-hmm. And grease up those nipples.
1: But, you know I mean? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Great advice, Justin. Yep. If you like Mind Pump, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you'll win a free Mind Pump t-shirt. You can also find us on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is at Mind Pump Justin.
2: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at MindPumpMedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic,